Hello and welcome to Encouraging Others and Loving Jesus. I'm your host, Kim Smith. We're on episode 162, Discerning When You Are Avoiding Conflict Versus Actively Waiting on the Lord. Now that's a fancy title, uh, much more fancy than I usually have. But as for those of you who've been listening for a while, I've mentioned some weeks the title and the lesson just kind of fall in my lap. Like I know immediately as soon as I read the scripture passage, what God would have me to talk about. And then there are others like this one that just wear me out. I have spent days working through, thinking through, praying through this scripture text. And it's a scripture text that bothered me when I taught through it in Sunday school a few years back. And it still bothers me today. And I think I'm beginning to understand even more now why it gets under my skin in the way that it does. So let's jump into this and let me set the background. So we've been walking our way through 2 Samuel we, we spent time in 1 Samuel. We were introduced to the first king of Israel, that being King Saul. Then we were introduced to David, who was going to be the future king of Israel. And we've made it so far that David is now the king of Judah. He is not yet the king of all of Israel, even though that is just around the corner. He he really followed the Lord and in the midst of running from King Saul for about 10 years, the majority of time he was listening for God's voice. He was trusting that God was going to fulfill his promise that he had made to David when David was just a teenager, that he would be king. And then when Saul dies, David becomes king of Judah so southern kingdom, but Ishbosheth, which is one of Saul's sons, is named the king of Israel. So Ishbosheth has much more territory than David, and we're going to talk about Ishbosheth more next week. We talked, I don't know, two or three weeks ago about Abner. So Abner was the commander of the armies of Israel. In other words, he's Ishbosheth's lead man when it came to commanding the armies. And Abner got upset with Ishbosheth, and he kind of jumped sides and came to David, talked to David, was chumming up to David is what it came down to. Before that, we had seen another incident that involved Abner. So Joab, which is the commander of David's army, but probably even more importantly, Joab is one of David's nephews. And that is very, very important today. So there was one particular week where we talked about Asahel, who was a young man who was also would have been one of David's nephews. And Asahel, in the midst of, so Israel and Judah were fighting back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And Asahel like seemed to have just lost his mind one day and he was very good at running, but he ran headlong into Abner, the commander of the Israelite army. 
And Abner, Abner kind of tried to wave him down and warned him. Like, I said, how do not come this direction. This is not going to work out well for you. And Asahel kept going. We talked that week about the fact that so many times we run headlong into danger with warning flags up and we just keep going. And Asahel was killed. Asahel was the brother of Joab. And Joab did not forget. And we were talking in last week's lesson about the fact that we, we are not to seek revenge on others but we are to wait on the Lord and we are to trust that vengeance is mine. He will repay says the Lord. And I say all that to bring us into this week because it really does play in, in a big way because that whole idea of vengeance is mine. I will repay says the Lord. That is biblical. There's no question about that. Are we ever to seek revenge? Absolutely not. Like not even a question. But David takes that same sentiment and uses it in a way that I personally do not think that it is meant to be. So Joab last week killed, he took advantage of the situation with Abner, caught Abner off guard and Joab and one of his brothers, Abishai, they killed Abner in cold blood. Abner was not doing anything wrong to anybody. And again, Abner had not set out to kill their little brother. Their little brother just kept coming at him and he took him out in self-defense. So this week we're talking about David mourning Abner's death. And this is one complicated text if you really break it down. So... This is 2 Samuel 3, starting with verse 31. Then David said to Joab and all those who were with him, tear your clothes and put on burlap. Mourn for Abner. Okay, so Joab has just murdered Abner. I won't say killed. No, he murdered him. Like Abner did nothing and Joab took him out. And David commands Joab and those with him to tear their clothes and put on burlap and mourn for Abner. Now, the mourning practices back in Israel at that time are very different than our modern day mourning practices. In many ways, we can learn a lot from them because they were they weren't as concerned about how they looked on the outside They were more concerned about truly allowing their emotion to come out. And so the putting on burlap was part of that process of just showing the outward signs that their hearts were hurting. Joab's heart was not hurting. Like Joab was not mourning for Abner. Joab killed Abner in cold blood. But David commands him, instead of calling him down for what he did, He commands him to publicly mourn for Abner. Throughout this text, there are quite a few things going on. Number one, I think that David is playing the politically correct game. I don't think he's playing the godliness game in any of this. I think he's playing the politically correct game. And I also think, just like our title is talking about today, discerning when you are avoiding conflict versus actively waiting on the Lord, 
I see David avoiding conflict, and we're going to see this throughout David's reign. And I think that this, this passage, even though it's not one that's referred to that often, I think it gives us a foretaste of what David's interactions specifically with his family members are going to be. David is the greatest king of Israel. When David reigns, it is the golden age of Israel. So when it comes to other nations, David seems to have a clear head. And when God says go, David goes. But when it comes to his own family members, David seems to struggle with conflict. And he tries to get out of it. And we're going to see it over and over and over again as we walk through the life and reign of David. And we're going to refer to here in a few minutes a verse that's at the end, very end of his reign where we can see that this matter right here burned through him for all those years. And instead of taking care of business and doing what needed to be done to reprimand Joab, for murdering Abner, David just, just stews on it. Second part of verse 31, And King David himself walked behind the procession to the grave. They buried Abner in Hebron, and the king and all the people wept at his graveside. Then the king sang this funeral song for Abner. Should Abner have died as fools die? Your hands were not bound. Your feet were not chained. No, you were murdered. The wicked, the victim of a wicked plot. All the people wept again for Abner. Remember, Abner was a very, very powerful man during this time. Abner was the one who put Ishbosheth in the role of king for the Israelite nation. And Abner really believed that he he had all power. Obviously he did not. And David knew that because of the influence of Abner, David needed to come out. Number one, David didn't call for him to be killed. David didn't kill him. And he knew that he needed to make this public display of being upset that Abner had been killed or he might lose the votes, so to speak, of the Israelite nation and possibly even of his own people in Judah, of which he was king. David had refused to eat anything on the day of the funeral, and now everyone begged him to eat. But David had made a vow saying, May God strike me and even kill me if I eat anything before sundown. Verse 36, this pleased the people very much. They, they were very pleased with this public display of mourning for Abner and the appearance of being very upset that Abner had been killed. The next phrase I didn't do as the title of the podcast, but I really considered it. In fact, everything the king did pleased them. This was one of those times where David was on a roll. And at this point, he is revving up to be the king of Israel, and the people are very pleased with him, including the way he is showing what they think is leadership of the public mourning of Abner. Abner, whom they respected. Abner, who they had 
He did. They didn't make him king, but he was the kingmaker. 37, so everyone in Judah and all Israel understood that David was not responsible for Abner's murder. 38, then King David said to his officials, so that was all public. And this is more in his private quarters. Don't you realize that a great commander has fallen today in Israel? And that's the same thing he said out in public. So that wasn't just behind the doors. That was out that was in both places. Like it really does seem that David truly mourned Abner's death and was very upset about it. But here is where I have the big problem. And I always have. And the more I read and research, the more I have verse 39. And even though I am the anointed King, these two sons of Zeruiah, Joab and Abishai are too strong for me to control. So may the Lord repay these evil men for their evil deeds. So let's break that apart. What in the world is going on with this? So I was reading out of the New Living Translation, and we're going to go back and read that particular verse, the verse 39 out of the ESV. It says, And I was gentle today, though anointed king. These men, the sons of Zeruiah, are more severe than I. The Lord repay the evildoer according to his wickedness. And so you you read this verse and you could you could take it a few ways. Uh, you could take it that David just chose to be merciful to Joab and to Abishai even though they murdered the commander of the Israelite army in cold blood for no, no political reason, no legitimate reason. They did it for revenge. So who's Zeruiah? So in first Chronicles two fifteen through 16, it says his sixth was Ozum and his seventh was David. Their sisters were named Zeruiah and Abigail. Zeruiah had three sons named Abishai, Joab, and Asahel. So David is the uncle of Joab, Abishai, and Asahel. And this is a family matter. It is a national matter because Joab and Abishai took their personal matter and made it a public matter when they killed a very public figure. It, he, he says the Lord repay the evildoer according to his wickedness, or so may the Lord repay these evil men for their evil deeds. And there's nothing wrong with that. That sounds very similar to the whole idea of allow the Lord to get vengeance. But there's this fine line between sitting back and trying to avoid conflict and just saying, God, you take care of it. You take care of it. Versus actively waiting and listening for the Lord's voice in case the Lord has something he wants you to do in order to confront the person or the situation. We are to wait on the Lord. One of my favorite verses of absolutely all time 
is Exodus 14, 14. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. But in the midst of the staying calm and trusting the Lord, that does not mean that we are using that as a manner in which we can avoid doing what the Lord lays on our hearts. I fear that David just refused to step up to the plate and to confront Joab and Abishai in the way that he should. He was king. And under his leadership, they murdered the commander of the northern army. And instead of calling them down, he passively, aggressively has them publicly mourn and he does nothing. Now, I'm not going to spoil the plot of the rest of 2 Samuel, but I am going to say there is a particular incident in the family of David. It is disgusting. It is awful, awful, awful. And we see David do the exact same thing. Where instead of being the father in that case, being the father and taking care of business and calling evil, evil and doing what he needed to do, he did not. And I think this is a pattern. And when we see this pattern, this is a man after God's own heart, but that does not mean that David was perfect. He was definitely not perfect. We all know that. And all of us can fall into the trap of just wanting to sit back and just staying out of the conflict. I'm not going to touch it because it's going to cause problems and it's going to come back on me and, and whatever it is. And like God calls us to be godly men and women, and he calls us to have a godly standard in our lives. He calls us to have a godly standard in our organization. And he calls us to enter into conflict on the side of godly conduct and just stepping back and saying, God's going to handle it. Using that as an excuse not to call evil, evil and to have proper boundaries. That's just flat wrong. It's not in this case that David was concerned about taking revenge on Joab and he's like, well, let the Lord take the revenge. We're not talking about revenge. We're talking about being a godly leader and calling a spade a spade and calling down Joab. Joab continues. Joab is the commander of David's army. When David takes over as the commander of all of Israel, including Judah, Joab goes along for the ride. Instead of calling him down reprimanding him, making sure that he got the sentence that he needed for murdering Abner. Instead, 
He just lets him ride along and ride along right beside his chariot, so to speak, in the glory days. And the verses that have always just irked me are at the end of David's life. Now, it's going to be a long, long time. It's going to be many months before we are studying this as a whole. But we're going to pull out a couple of these. So as David is handing over the reins to King Solomon, his son, it's not unusual when you're passing the baton to the next in line, whether it is at a job, whether it is in an organization, like you tell them what you would have liked to accomplish, but you didn't. That's what David does, but it's, it's things like this. David refers back to this exact situation and you can tell from his words that he uses that he knew this was wrong and he intentionally did not take care of business and then hands it off to Solomon to be the bad guy, to be the one that punishes Joab. Check this out. 1 Kings 2, 5 through 6. And there is something else. You know what Joab, son of Zeruiah, did to me when he murdered my two army commanders, Abner, son of Ner, and Amazah, son of Jether? He pretended that it was an act of war and it was done in a time of peace, staining his belt and sandals with innocent blood. Do with him what you think best, but don't let him grow old and go to his grave in peace. Now, We're not talking today about Amasah, son of Jether. We're talking about Abner. But isn't it obvious from those words that David held this against Joab all those years? And instead of taking care of this and making sure that Joab was punished in the way that he should have been, David just... I want to say it's kind of like the passive aggressive kind of thing, except the aggressive part comes out in the fact that now he's telling Solomon, make sure that he doesn't live to old age. Like I didn't do what I needed to do, but I'm expecting that you're going to take care of him. It just blows my mind. Psalm 37, 23 through 24, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall for the Lord holds them by the hand. You get that? The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. It doesn't say that God is going to take care of every matter and you can just sit back in your easy chair and just wait. We are to wait on the Lord, but it is an active type of waiting. We are waiting to hear God's voice. And sometimes God is going to act and he will take care of it. And all we have to do is go in and clean up. But there are other times where God is going to specifically direct us in how he wants a situation taken care of. And he expects that we're going to do it. That is not what I see in David. I see David avoiding conflict. I see David being what he thought might be politically correct. I see him avoiding conflict within his family and not doing what 
a godly king would do. A godly king would call this sin and would reprimand and would make sure that Joab and Abishai were punished for their crimes. David does not. So I want to ask you in our weekly assignment feature, I want you to ask the Lord if there are any people or situations he is prompting you to confront. Some of us don't mind confrontation. Some of us hate it. But the thing is, it's not a negotiable part of the Christian life. We are to confront sin first and foremost. And as a result, we are to confront situations and people when they are not in the right. I'm asking God to open up your spiritual eyes and ears. Are there situations where you have just been sitting back going, the Lord is going to move and you have not been asking the Lord, how do you want to move through me? You've been saying that the Lord is going to take care of this, but you have not been willing to be his mouthpiece, to be his hands, to be his feet. I don't know your life situation, but I do know what we know about King David and as good of a king as he was, he was not perfect. And especially when it came to his family relationships, may we learn from this situation as well as the other challenges that David uh, faces during his rule and reign, including his relationships to females in his life and to his children. Sometimes it's kind of good to be reminded that even someone like David, who is called a man after God's own heart, didn't have it all together. Sometimes that's helpful. And his life is in print. For millions of people across this world to have read over the years and to critique. None of us want that that kind of fame. But may we learn from his story. May we learn from a story like this where he, he just didn't stand in the gap for God. He just kind of stood back and allowed evil to occur, allowed evil to not be punished. That was not being meek and gentle. That was being cowardice, in my opinion. I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear what you have to say about this particular lesson. Maybe how it's touched you. If you have any questions, concerns, I would love for you to reach out to me at encouragingothersandlovingjesus at gmail.com. You can jump into our Facebook group, Encouraging Others and Loving Jesus. I've got information down below in the show notes. I've got the verses that we went over. I've got our resources. I've got how to begin a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You may have come into this podcast And just gone, what is that country person talking about? And you have no idea what it's like to live a life surrendered to Christ. You can click on that link and it will will share with you how you can 
begin a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Also, this podcast originally was called A Country Girl in a City World Loving Jesus. And as a result, the first few episodes are kind of hidden. You can't find them. Uh, It's not that they've been locked up in some sort of vault, or at least not by me. So you can get the link to those down at the very bottom in the section that's called the hidden episodes. As we close out this week, in what areas of your life are you just trying to stand back and and just hope that God's going to take care of it and you don't have to speak up? Is God prompting your heart right now? Saying, yes, I am taking care of things, but I'm going to use you as part of the solution. Take courage. Because the Lord who fights your battles can give you the strength and courage to join him in the fight. When David was fighting against Goliath, the Lord fought the battle, but David did have to stand up to the giant. May this week be a week of victory for you. May God open up your spiritual eyes and ears to see the areas of your life that you've been hiding from, just hoping that God does not call you into the battle. May you have the courage to courageously stand for him and may he intervene on your behalf. And as we finish out each week, remember it's always a trust and obey kind of day.